0: Hey, it's Michael from the Strategy Report. You already know that. You've downloaded it or are listening to it. Before we get into the Italian Grand Prix show, though, I've got a quick favor to ask you. The Strategy Report is having an online survey to learn a little bit more about you and your F1-related habits and interests and how you interact with us. And to sweeten the deal, Apex Race Manager has thrown in some prizes you could go into the draw to win. How good's that? Head over to F1StrategyReport.com and hit the banner at the top of the page to fill in the survey. I'd greatly appreciate it. But now, onto the show. Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for Apex Race Manager, the mobile management simulator. My name's Michael Laminato, and this week, the Italian Grand Prix, Ferrari is completely embarrassed at their home race, and his Honda may be not quite as bad as McLaren wants us to think. That's all to come in this edition of the Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato, and for the Italian Grand Prix, I'm joined by a journalist from Formula Passion. His name's Luca Manacorda. Luca, how are you?
1: Ciao, Michael. Hi, everybody. I'm fine, Thanks.
0: It's uh, a big weekend, obviously the Italian Grand Prix, always a big weekend, the last race in Europe for the season, we all go off to Asia and America after this, and for the first time in a little while, I suppose, the Italian crowd had a lot to be excited about, Now obviously Ferrari's in the championship fight, Sebastian Vettel is in the championship fight, and only a week earlier in Spa, a similar track, similar characteristics, Ferrari almost won, I mean, you were there, what was the atmosphere like on the first day of the race?
1: Uh, here, uh, this year in Italy, uh, we set the record for the crowd at the Italian Grand Prix. So there was, uh, the people, Tifosi were very exciting about, uh, Ferrari season. But, uh, unfortunately, the race in Monza <laughs> has been not so good for, uh, Mm -hmm.
0: It was was a disappointment, unfortunately, for everybody. Although they all got under the podium. They all had their say at the end of the race. But it's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Because, you know, we've all been saying after the Belgium Grand Prix... Yeah, Ferrari did so well there. They finished only two seconds behind Lewis Hamilton, I think, in Belgium. And that should have been a, a good sign for the Italian Grand Prix. But it didn't happen. I mean, what was the disappointment like for Ferrari there? Obviously, Sergio Marchione was there watching on and Pierre Ferrari. And it must have just been a, a crushing, crushing day.
1: Yeah, the president Marcone was uh, very angry, uh, angry at the end of the race because uh, nobody expected... Uh, a similar gap between uh, Mercedes and Ferrari in Monza. But um, uh, Vettel especially thinks that uh, this is just uh, a bad race. And uh, he's not uh, very afraid of this. Because uh, and they say in Ferrari, they say that uh, they had some problem with the setup. Probably because they cannot uh, do practice on Saturday morning. So, uh, yeah, Veteran Raikkonen uh, has problems with the car. They struggle a lot in uh, every uh, turn of the circuit. So, so, they say that it's just a bad race and they are not worried about the future races.
0: Well, certainly we hope that they can recover for the sake of the championship. It was an easy weekend for Lewis Hamilton. He qualified on pole, set the new pole position record, won the race ahead of Valtteri Bottas and Sebastian Vettel, who salvaged the podium. Interesting for Mercedes, though, before we have a look at that wet qualifying and the race, is that they obviously brought that new engine in Spa, and that helped them a little bit. Uh, and interesting, I thought, was that after the race, Valtteri Bottas said they found a, a balance with the car that they never had before. The car never felt this good. They've had a lot of trouble with the car so far this season, haven't they? In races like uh, Monaco and Russia and even a little bit in Hungary. Are you worried that you think that maybe Mercedes has stepped it up a, a gear and have, has gotten back on top of this car and is maybe going to be harder for Ferrari to beat from here on in?
1: Yeah, in this week uh, we talked a lot about the, the new engine of Mercedes because uh, there was uh, the oil burn... Uh... Uh, question and um, Ferrari decided to introduce the new engine uh, later in the season, probably in Sepang. And uh, so maybe for uh, these uh, races it uh, could be an advantage for Mercedes and uh, probably Ferrari know this. Um, But uh, we could uh, see a different um, situation when uh, Ferrari introduced the new engine. Probably in So maybe that's why Mercedes, Mercedes tried to do the best in this favorite track with this decision. But probably we, say we could see a, a better fight in the next races.
0: Mm-hmm. Certainly, this has been the two big races for Mercedes in this half of the year, the two big power circuits. And they did what they had to do and they won them. But it really all started... On Saturday, like you said, there was a lot of rain. We lost free practice three on Saturday morning and that ultimately contributed to Ferrari not being able to set up the car properly. But qualifying, because of all the rain, it well, for one, it lasted five hours, which was much too long for qualifying.
1: <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah.
0: <laughs> all the fans were very good. They all stayed there. I was very impressed that nobody left after... The third hour, for example.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they were very passionate. So congratulations to them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were the... If only Ferrari could have performed better. For Anyway, that's beside the point. But qualifying did give us a bit of an interesting grid, at least. Now, Lewis Hamilton easily got pole. We all understand that one. But I think, for one, the Red Bull cars did very well, but they always tend to do very well in the rain. I think the really impressive drive, qualifying fourth... And starting second after the both Red Bull cars took their penalties was Lance Stroll for Williams. A, because obviously it's his first season and he's had a bit of an up-and-down season, so this was a big drive for him. But second, because, well, Williams never does very well in the rain.
1: Yeah, this this was a very uh, surprise because uh, nobody expected Lance so high in the grid. And also Williams, because Williams... Okay, Monza is a track uh, that's often suited to Williams, but... uh, With the rain, uh, they always uh, have problems. So it's a very big surprise. And uh, and it's also, um, it proves that uh, Lance is is, uh, doing better and better in every race. So probably he arrived in Formula One uh, too early. But uh, in the the future, uh, he could be uh, a good driver. So I mean, we need to be patient with him.
0: Mm-hmm. I think so, and it was a big result, obviously, for Williams because it set them up for points on Sunday. Likewise for Esteban Ocon in Force India, who qualified fifth and started third. But the reason he started third, the reason Lance Stroll started second, was because nine drivers, nine drivers, had penalties. Uh, after qualifying and even just before the race. In fact, I think Sergio Perez got his penalty maybe an hour before the race, only an hour or 90 minutes before the race. No one could figure out what the grid was meant to look like. I think only two drivers started where they actually qualified. The Sauber's were starting 10... <laughs> What's is it? It's getting is it getting out of hand? A lot of people are saying it's too much going on. It's too hard to understand. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. This, uh, the question about the penalization on the grid uh, is uh, one of the big things that uh, Liberty Media has to think about it, to have a to try to introduce a change because uh, it's in, in some race it's impossible to understand which will be the degree. example, in uh, for example in Monza. And uh, Ross Brown talked about this and uh, he said that that, uh, they are thinking about a solution and uh, mm, probably the best solution is to uh, give points penalty to the team in the Constructor Championship and uh, not to penalize the driver because uh, often the penalization is about uh, technical problems. So this could be a, a good solution to stall points to the team for the construction championship and not to penalize the driver on the grid. Mm-hmm. And also for the, the fans, because in this situation, they cannot understand where their favorite drivers will start on the race. Mm-hmm.
0: Unless you're a Fernando Alonso fan, then you know it's
1: always at the back. So <laughs> <laughs> right the McLaren uh, are the exception because everybody knows that every race unfortunately they have a big penalization so we can find them uh, in the back of the grid
0: even poor Stoffel Van Dorn, who actually qualified in the top 10 uh, but then got a penalty on race day on Sunday just before the race started but that's just the way it is we'll talk a little bit more about McLaren later on because their race actually wasn't quite as bad as maybe we expected it to be even though well, both cars retired, but it, it still wasn't quite as bad as everyone thought. Uh, into the race, where the strategy should have been fairly straightforward. It's a one-stop race, the Italian Grand Prix, almost always. Uh, certainly, Pirelli brought tyres that were pretty safe. We had the medium, which I don't think anyone used almost at any point in the whole weekend, not even in practice, and the soft and the super soft tyres. Only the soft and the super soft were used in this race. Uh, Most drivers started the race on the super soft and ended with the soft tyre. Starting with Hamilton, first of all, we can't not mention the fact he obviously set that pole record and then won the Grand Prix and now leads the championship by three points. An extremely easy drive for him. He didn't have to worry about anything really at all uh we've mentioned how dominant Mercedes was here but let's talk about Valtteri Bottas his teammate who finished second just behind him do you think though given his lost points to Hamilton he didn't qualify so well either he started fourth but he did qualify sixth do you think he's still in this championship fight after this race
1: um yeah probably after Spa and Monza, the fight for the championship has changed because now in Mercedes, it's clear that uh, they have to push everything on Hamilton because after Budapest and uh, the switch of the position in the last uh, lap of Budapest, they were talking about uh, two, two event, both drivers uh, fighting for the championship, but now it's clear that uh, Lewis is the favorite driver for uh, the championship. So Mercedes now, uh, they will do more than every race, like in Ferrari. So the, the second driver, Bottas and Raikkonen, will have an important role for the rest of the season because uh, they are called to stall points to Hamilton and Vettel. So maybe they have an, an, a very important role in the next races.
0: It will be interesting to see. And yeah, like you say, that the Constructors' Championship certainly, and maybe the Drivers' Championship... Will be decided in some respects by Bottas and Raikkonen because they have to support their teammate. Now, Valtteri Bottas cut through from sixth on the grid to second to, well, defend Hamilton in case anyone was fast enough, but no one was, (laughs) so he didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Uh, But Kimi Raikkonen started just behind him uh, in sixth. I think I'm right in saying, no, fifth Fifth. fifth place he started. The penalties are very confusing. (laughs) But he couldn't cut through. He finished fifth. He finished behind Hamilton and Bottas, Vettel, and Daniel Ricciardo, who we'll be talking about shortly. Is this concerning for Ferrari? I guess the answer is no, because they just gave him a new contract. But surely he's not scoring enough points.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, again, after the new deal with Ferrari, Kimi has a down on his performance. Uh, I don't know why, why. I don't know if it's a a case, but uh, everybody could see this every year, so we hope that uh, in some track it could be better and be helpful to Ferrari and uh, and Vettel. In Monza he had a good start, uh, a good first lap uh, when he fought with uh, Valtteri. But after that, uh, he tried to struggle with the car, uh, to talk a lot uh, uh, on the radio about the problem with his car, so it's always the same story with Kimi, yeah. but uh, Seb like him, so Ferrari decided to confirm him, and uh, now we have to see <laughs> what he could, done, could do. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll just wait and see, I think. A lot of waiting with Kimi Räikkönen is the only way we'll see anything. But the strategy was fairly straightforward for Hamilton to win the race. Vettel's only opportunity, maybe, after cutting up through everyone else to race third, was hoping that maybe for some reason Lewis Hamilton or Valtteri Bottas might pit first and then end up behind him. And then who knows what could have happened. But Mercedes was able to extend their tyre life as long as they wanted. Vettel had to pit first on lap 31. Hamilton pit on lap 32. And the race was pretty much over. Uh, The battle for fourth, though, and maybe briefly the battle for third, Uh, we've got to talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, We'll talk about this slightly out of order because he started right near the back. Uh, He started very far back uh, down the grid in 16th, um, well out of the points, and he started on the opposite tyre. He started on the soft tyre rather than the super soft tyre, 37 laps in the first stint. He passed pretty much everyone. <laughs> he passed. He was up to ninth. Uh, up by lap 7, uh, ran all the way, uh, jumped everyone else with the pit stops, and only had to pass Kimi Raikkonen to get to 4th place. This was just another great Daniel Ricciardo drive, wasn't it? I mean, we saw a similar thing in Silverstone, and he's done this same strategy at Monza before, too. I mean, this was this is like a championship drive if the car was a championship car.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the performance of Red Bull and Ricciardo in Monza was uh, fantastic. He has done the fastest lap and uh, he also has the third um, high speed at the speed trap with uh, 355 uh, kilometers just behind the and Williams. So that's very surprising because he has a Renault power unit that we know that is not uh, powerful like mm-hmm. Mercedes engine. And uh, so Red Bull uh, introduced in Monza some new parts of the car about the aerodynamic and mechanic parts. So they could uh, play an important role in the next races because they can stole points to Ferrari or Mercedes. And this could be an important thing about the championship fight.
0: It was very interesting to consider that Red Bull racing might be more or less as fast as Ferrari and Mercedes. In some races, they've been close. And obviously, Daniel Ricciardo won in Azerbaijan. But that was a very unusual <laughs> race. Yeah. Uh, here, though, what was interesting to see, yeah, the straight line speed, one thing was very interesting. Uh, but the second was that on this, on both tyres, the soft and the super soft, Daniel Ricciardo was faster than Sebastian Vettel, which I says, first of all, we all know Daniel Ricciardo is very good at saving his tyres, but it really emphasises how bad the Ferrari setup was, how badly they got it wrong, because... They were, in all situations really, slower than the Red Bull cars, which should never have happened at Monza.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. In Monza, it was clear that uh, the Red Bull was the, the second better car you know, on track. Unfortunately, they, they started behind on in, in the grid. It would be interesting to see how fast could be Red Bull starting in the front of the, the grid and fighting maybe with Mercedes because uh, they look to have the, mm. the same pace of Mercedes. They could uh, do a great race with another grid, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, if only we didn't have so many penalties. <laughs>
1: yeah. Richardo started 16, so it was a bad position, but a great recovery for him. Mm-hmm.
0: Another great recovery for Daniel Ricciardo. And it will be interesting to see what him and Max Verstappen can do in a race like Singapore, where we already know Red Bull is usually uh, very strong and even races like Suzuka coming up on the calendar anything really should be better than Monza for the Renault power unit but <laughs> already they're doing quite well so it will be interesting to see how that pans out but that was a pretty much the the major strategic variation uh for any of the cars there was an interesting fight, though, in the top 10 that wasn't quite so straightforward. And it was Raikkonen versus Ocon versus Lance Stroll. Yeah. Who'd have thought we'd see these three guys <laughs> fighting one another at any time this season? But they were all really quite close and, and some interesting racing between the three of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. In, in Monza, we saw that probably Ferrari was uh, near to forcing and Williams. And not uh, with uh, Red Bull and Mercedes. It, it was more uh, a team of uh, the center of the group, we can say, because uh, they have a pre- uh, performance like uh, seeing the Williams. It was clear when Kimi fight against uh, Ocon and Stroll.
0: It's interesting because Ferrari attempted to undercut Raikkonen past Ocon and Stroll. It seemed like the only way to get past them. They were racing so hard and it wasn't so easy. He didn't find it as easy as Vettel did to pass them. Uh, And it only worked for Lance Stroll. But even then, it sort of was more the fault of Williams. Now, pit stops obviously are a really important part of strategy because you know, there's seconds when the car is stopped, every moment counts when you're changing the tires, and Williams is normally the best team, pretty much, at doing a pit stop, but in this race, it was something like 4.4 seconds for Lance Stroll's stop, which is pretty much twice as long, and as a result, he came out behind Kimi Raikkonen, so Stroll really could have finished higher up in this order, maybe in front of Kimi Raikkonen, uh, had he been able to pull this off, so... Arguably, Williams should have had more points this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, because if uh, Stroll uh, had a good uh, pit stop and uh, when he comes back uh, on the track, uh, he can use the DRS uh, behind Ocon. And mm-hmm. in this situation for Kimi, it uh, it's be almost impossible to pass uh, Stroll because we know that um, Williams has a big uh, top speed. So these two... Bad pit stop costs uh, probably one position to, to land.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good point as well, actually, because while Raikkonen got past Ocon uh, eventually, it was easier for him because Ocon obviously didn't have DRS. But when Stroll was following Ocon really closely, he got DRS and Raikkonen got DRS and it cancels itself out. So it would have been interesting yeah. had Raikkonen not been able to pass them because when Daniel Ricciardo then made his stop maybe he wouldn't have had to pass Raikkonen, in which case maybe he would have caught Sebastian Vettel. What an idea!
1: <laughs> exactly. We can show a different race with uh, a different pit from Williams, so in the, that pit uh, changed uh, the history of this race, yeah. probably. Yeah. Not only for Lance.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's all Williams' fault. We yeah. just blame Williams. They did the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good tense battle for them, I thought, which was interesting. And it almost came Undone as well towards the end Because Sergio Perez and Felipe Massa caught up to all of them Uh, Sergio Perez did a similar Strategy to Daniel Ricciardo but he started On the super soft tyre and Perez is another Driver we know who is very good on his Tyres, very easy on his tyres And both of them almost passed Stroll, an interesting little intra-team battle there towards the end. Uh, and this is really important for the Constructors' Championship. This was Williams versus Force India, essentially, for fourth. I mean, Force India is more or less safe in fourth, but yeah. I guess there's a little bit of pride in it for Williams, isn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, fourth position for Force India is uh, almost uh, safe, but uh, it was a, a fight for the pride, probably for Williams, maybe. And Williams have to... Now have uh, a good vantage over Tororosso, past Renault for the fifth position. So now they have uh, achieved uh, good points in Spa and Monza. And this was uh, their plan for these races because are to track uh, that favorite uh, car so good riser for them and uh, an interesting thing about uh, Sergio Perez uh, was that uh, he has a top speed of uh, 357 uh, and uh, in the last year the, the top speed in Monza was uh, 359 so the difference between uh, 2017 and 2016 cars uh, in Monza about the top speed uh, was not uh, so big uh, as in uh, other tracks, as we saw in other tracks.
0: Yeah, which is a good point. And that's interesting as well because there's so much more drag on these cars, so much more downforce. So th- yeah. to have almost no difference um, is sort of interesting. And this was, I think, the fifth fastest race in F1 history? Uh,
1: I don't know, but uh, I trust you because Monza is uh, <laughs> always, the fastest race of the season so yeah maybe dangerous to trust me but let's (laughs) say that i'll i'll have to
0: defend myself here so that's fair enough uh it, the battle for fifth place like you say is between Williams and a lot of other teams now uh one team that's been looking generally quite strong is Renault but they didn't have such a good race Jolyon Palmer was trying to do a similar race to Perez but ultimately he had to retire again he had car troubles Nico Hulkenberg kind of did the opposite he started with nine laps on the super soft and then went on to the soft tyre but he became sort of easy pickings on the worn tyre for Daniel Kvyat, for example, and even Max Verstappen. Uh, Is it fair to say, I mean, part of that's, I suppose, power unit, but this is sort of a big couple of races now for Renault, isn't it? And this potentially was a a costly race to score no points in that battle for fifth.
1: Yeah, I think that Renault has missed a lot of uh, opportunity for the fifth position because, uh, okay, in Spa and Monza, maybe they know that uh, they will struggle. But uh, for example, in Budapest, uh, that that is a a favorite track for them. They have no points. So Renault has lost a lot of points for this fight, for the fifth position. And now maybe they can uh, just pass or also for the six that's that's a good position for them if they reach the sixth, even if the, they said in the during the the winter that the, the target was the fifth position.
0: It's interesting as well because we have this perpetual question about Jolie and Palmer whether or not he's going to be there now. had Palmer been scoring more points this year, Renault would be much further up in the championship. There were questions about whether or not in the mid season Robert Kubica might come in to Renault or whether someone else would replace Palmer even in the middle of the year, and no one did, he kept his seat. And he's performing a little bit better now, isn't he? Sort of wasn't so far he made a mistake on his last lap on qualifying. He might have scored points this race, he had the right strategy, but the car failed. Do you think he's gonna do enough, or do you think this is his last season?
1: I think that uh, this is the, his last season in Formula One because um, the, with the probably switch of McLaren uh, with Renault engine, uh, we will see a lot of change in the driver uh, uh, lineup because uh, probably Renault, probably Honda will bring. Uh, uh, one of his drivers in uh, Toro Rosso and maybe in Toro Rosso so Sainz could move on Renault or Robert Kubica could be back in Formula 1. In Renault. Mm-hmm. So for me, Palmer has no more hope to stay in Formula 1, unfortunately. But he has done a two seasons in Formula 1 and with uh, poor results. So Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is that's
0: sort of the summary of it all, isn't it? Maybe too little, too late. But let's talk about McLaren. Let's talk about Renault. This was a story of the weekend. Uh, obviously, the engine switch. We think it's going to happen any time now. Perhaps there's going to be news for next year. Um, but let's talk about what happened on the track between Renault and uh, McLaren, because that in itself is kind of interesting. Now. Normally we come here like we did in Belgium, the Honda power unit is not very powerful, it's always breaking down, as it did in this race as well, neither car finished, it must be said, but they weren't as slow as we thought they were going to be, were they? Van Dorn wasn't quite as slow, he was having an okay race, and Daniel Kvyat in particular thought the McLaren had improved this round, which... Puts the whole question in a different light, doesn't it? Maybe Honda is actually getting better.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is an interesting thing because, uh, okay, Renault has a better reability um, against uh, uh, Honda, but uh, if we saw the performance in Monza, it looks that uh, Honda is not so distant from the performance of Renault power unit. It's not so. I mean, uh, Clear thing that uh, the switch could be better for uh, of the power the switch of the power unit could be better for uh, McLaren because uh, if Honda uh, find uh, the ability of the its power unit they could have a good power unit and we saw this in in Monza with uh, Van Dorn that uh, reached the Q3 in qualifying he was uh, fighting uh, against Kivia during the race. Kvyat uh, saw this and he said that uh, he's afraid about this because uh, in a track like Monza, uh, McLaren was uh, almost uh, fast like a Toro Rosso.
0: Which is maybe not the worst thing for him because if he's going to be at Toro Rosso next year, he has a
1: Honda engine, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this could be a, b- a bad thing for uh, Fernando Alonso. <laughs> mm, again, another bad thing for Fernando Alonso.
0: <laughs> he can never make the right decision. <laughs>
1: He did always the the bad decision, and uh, man, I hope for him that uh, this one could be better. <laughs> because if uh, if McLaren uh, switch to Renault power unit, uh, it's clear that uh, Fernando will stay.
0: So, what do you think? What do you see happening out of all of this? Do you think that the switch is going to happen, and then? What does Formula One look like for McLaren and for Renault next season?
1: Yeah, um, this week uh, probably is the the week of the announcement of the deal between McLaren and uh, Renault, and after this uh, we we will see a lot of uh, decision uh, linked with this one. So Fernando will stay in McLaren, Toro Rosso will switch uh, in with uh, Honda, and uh, a lot of move about the drivers so we have an interesting autumn about the market the uh, driver market mm-hmm. to see all of a sudden we've
0: got a uh, yeah things to talk about on the driver market just because lewis hamilton and sebastian vedel and Kimi raikkonen are staying doesn't mean we can't talk about honda at the back <laughs> which is not the way we yeah. thought it was going to happen but oh it's pretty interesting anyway uh it was an interesting race i thought i mean it wasn't the most action-packed race but there were things to consider interesting for the championship even if it was a bit of a sad race for Ferrari in front of their home fans at their home Grand Prix and it's been fun to talk about it with you and look back at it with you
1: Luca okay thank you Michael for the inviting and being happy to stay with you and all the guys that are listening to us so ciao from Italy That was the Strategy Report for the
0: 2017 Italian Grand Prix. But if you want to read more about the strategy from this week's race, go to F1StrategyReport.com for the pit stop stats, tyre data, and Jack Leslie's write-up of all the action from Monza. And while you're there, don't forget to fill in our listener survey to go into the draw to win some sweet prizes. Just click the link at the top of the website at F1StrategyReport.com. The Strategy Report is powered by the 2017 edition of Apex Race Manager, which you can download for free for iOS and Android devices. My name's Michael Laminato. You can find me at Michael Laminato on Twitter, and I'll join you in two weeks' time for a look back at the Singapore Grand Prix.